Ogumbawale for the win. Hello and welcome to Lockdown Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal, reminding you you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnWBV. You can hear all of our amazing hosts, from Eric Ayala to Amy Audebert, so many people you're going to want to listen to, and Krina Mustafa is the latest edition, has wonderful things to talk about every single day. Do not miss it. Get the opportunity ASAP. Lockdown Women's Basketball is brought to you by Built Bar. Now, they want me to tell you that Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, right? That's what they're saying. Well, oh, how do you how do you measure that? How do you figure that out? I don't know. I go by my mom. My mom will not eat anything. She does not enjoy any kind of food. Stays away from it, right? Just flat out, very very picky. Well, I gave her some Built Bars. There are nine delicious main flavors, coconut, coconut, almond. I mean, I could go through them all. Double chocolate, peanut butter, brownie. They're as good as you would imagine. 17 grams of protein, only 4 grams of net carbs. But quite frankly, how is it the best built bar? How is it the best protein bar ever? Grandma Myrna eats them. So go over to builtbar.com, use promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your first order. And as those of you who listen know all the time, tell them Grandma Myrna sent you. Well, I am here with, I mean, it's really hard for me to describe how much pleasure, how much joy I get out of talking to Pepper Persley, who is our guest today. And I get to do it twice in one week. She had me on her show. Now I have her on my show. We get to have a home and home. Pepper, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Howard. All right, I want to start, because I think people need to know this, with kind of our origin story, which is that last year, I was seeing your videos, I was watching the way you were interacting with people in Zooms, and I wanted to find a way to amplify, and it's what I really live to do. And I wanted to amplify your work, and I reached out, and I just, I didn't necessarily know what the response would be. Would this be from you? Would this be from your dad? What, you know, what kind of conversation were we going to have? You know, and we get on the phone and it was an hour and it was, first of all, it just felt like we see the world in just really similar ways, but also it was the way you had a vision for what you wanted your work to be. That was what stuck out to me. This was not something that had been placed upon you. This was something that you were reaching for and grab it. And I'm a big believer that age is a number. And I have met plenty of young people who understand how the world works. And I've met plenty of older people who don't, quite frankly. And so making sure that people understand Pepper is who she is and has been and is continuing to be. And so it's been amazing to see the world at large discovering this over the past few weeks. Over the past few weeks, Inside Edition, WPIX Channel 11, a Los Angeles Clippers game you get to broadcast as well while you've continued. I just, everyone's got to understand this. While she's continued doing her regular work, 
with the podcast. Why she's continued to do Dishing with Pepper. It just, uh, it's inspiring as could be. But I want to go a step beyond just the, the what itself and talk to you. How has this all felt? What has this past few weeks been like for you? Um, it's been really surreal, honestly. I think that I never would have expected to have, to have had any of the opportunities that I've had in the past couple of weeks, and it's really still hard to process that I called, like, an NBA playoff game. I don't know, very few people get to say that they did that, and very, very few people get to say that they did that before they turned 18. So, I think it means a lot to me to be able to be one of the firsts in that category, but it's really crazy. Do you think of it in terms of changing the way people talk about 10-year-olds? And and I ask that because I have had conversations like that with my children. I remember feeling it growing up. There was this kind of discounting of human beings who were not a certain age that I always found really offensive, and I do to this day. I just wonder how much you feel like, in some level, representation is significant to you just from an age perspective? I think that it's really important to me. And I've always had the concern, like, this is why like, I check over my questions a million times before I actually ask them. Because I don't want to ask a question that is, like, the quintessential, oh, she's just a 10 year old, she doesn't know what she's talking about question. Right? So that's why I really try hard to do research and that kind of stuff. So my questions are as good as the adult next to me. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's really important to me because a lot people just expect me to come in and ask, oh, what's your favorite color? And like that type of question, which like sometimes I do, but those are like, I ask those questions for a reason to try to make the person I'm talking to comfortable, stuff like that. So I think that I just want to prove to people that kids are as capable as adults and even more capable sometimes um, when they put in the work and the research, like Every other person, every other journalist does. The thing I love, and you talk about it, is you you bring the knowledge, but in the same way, and we've talked about this off air, but just that Ari Chambers does, there's a way in which you sort of tune into the level the player is at, and you're able to get a more fully human interaction as a result of it. It's been really inspiring to see. I, I, I also, you know, I've noticed the ways in which you incorporate how you yourself are experiencing off the court and on the court into the work you're doing. And for you to be a young woman of color has mattered in the way in which we've lived the last year. And so that was a significant part of our conversation too, where you came in and you said to me, I don't want it to just be a basketball show. I want it to be a basketball and racial justice show and to be talking about both. And I mean, look, it was obviously something that I felt very strongly about, too. So that was a very easy conversation to have. But it it speaks to a vision about sort of the dual roles here. But you even took it a step further this week. And I just want to shout that out. You know, there was obviously a lot of back and forth on Twitter, uh, WNBA Twitter, uh, that had a lot of negativity. And so, again, you brought your personal experience to it to say how it felt to you. And, uh, you know, talking to a player about that, um, you know, can you just talk to me about sort of the way in which you process that, how you were feeling about it, and the way in which that ultimately fed your work on the subject? I think that it was kind of um, challenging for me because um, I didn't want people to think about the WNBA in a way 
that was maybe portrayed in the way it was on Twitter. I want people to think about them as incredible basketball players with incredible platforms and that everything they do is for the right reasons and that they're incredible and inspiring, which, of course, they are, but I didn't want anybody to think about that in the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And I also know that they're adults and they should be able to... um, be adults without worrying about the fact that kids are possibly looking and reading everything they say and do. And I can see how that can be like incredibly challenging. But also for me, it was just like a little tough because I didn't actually see everything that they said. And I tried to stay away from that. But, you know, it, it was a little challenging because like I want to be able to know and be updated with the news. But when the news is not something I can see or watch or listen to, I think that's also really challenging. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just didn't want anybody to think about the WNBA as um as nothing but incredible athletes and activists. And, you know, the flip side of that, and this goes back a long time, is that there is a significant portion of the sports media world that has only covered the WNBA when there is scandal. And so, to me, there was that added element of it as well. But thinking of it just in terms of of kindness was a really interesting way. Amanda Zowie B, I thought, had a really interesting set of tweets about this, and, and Amanda's someone who is really thoughtful about sort of the macro way that the, this goes as well. And it, it does, it just, to me, what we're building on the women's sports media side is an opportunity, not necessarily to steer away from rivalries, because rivalries are obviously uh, something that feeds a lot of uh, what makes sports most compelling to a lot of people. but that there doesn't have to be the insult aspect of it that we've seen uh, over and over again in men's sports or built into it. And so it, it feels as much like a teaching opportunity as much as anything else to me. So it, it, I was glad you brought it to the forefront. So I'm going to talk on the basketball side, if we can, um, as well. And there are a few teams that are particularly interesting uh, in terms of what they are doing lately. And I think the place to start is with the defending champs. And, you know, the Seattle Storm are a team who did not come back fully intact. I mean, if you lose a Natasha Howard, a former Defensive Player of the Year, and Alicia Clark, who is, I mean, if you go by win shares, a top five, if not top ten player in the league the last couple of seasons, and for them to be back here and looking like they have a chance to win it all once again, you know, what are you seeing out of that? Uh two words for you. Jill Lloyd. She is playing incredibly this season. She's really stepping into a leadership role and um, being the player that I think a lot of people always thought she could be. And it's really awesome to see. I mean, honestly, it's she's one of my dad's favorite players. And we watch her a lot just because I try to um, like play basketball the way that she does. She's so fundamentally sound and it's so great to see her really confident and playing so well. You know, Jewel, and, and shout out also to Jewel's mom, Gwendolyn Lloyd, who's uh, one of the great people in this orbit as well. But you had her on the show a few weeks ago talking about sort of her basketball origin story, and you play as well. Is that something where, are you go, going over game film of hers for things to incorporate, or is it just more of like a mentality, a state of mind? I think it's a little bit of both, actually. Um, just like watching her, like her form, like everything she does is really pure and it's like the way 
like your coaches will tell you to do stuff. So I think that that's maybe the reason that my dad and I've always watched her. Um, and I think that was also like a mentality thing because um, obviously the gold mamba, the mamba mentality, all that kind of stuff. But also she's just, she's really, I don't know how to put this into words. She's, um, she's very confident in her game. And I really appreciate that. And she's also really nice, honestly. Um, but she's really smooth. Like, I asked her um, what three words she would use to describe herself as a player, which is something I ask a lot of people. And her answer was really awesome. I think she said um, efficient, like, smooth, something like that. And now I forget what she said, but people should go back and listen to that because it was really awesome. And, yeah, but, yeah, I think I just love her as a player and her mindset as well. It's, It's very hard not to. You know, somebody who has... You know, in a lot of ways, chartered her own course. I remember when Jewel came out of school, out of Notre Dame, and there was a real question, is she a one, is she a two? And the answer has essentially been yes. You know, she is just this combination guard in a way that Kathy Pondexter was when she was at her best. And I'm not sure that we've seen somebody close to Kathy since, closer to Kathy since, uh, beyond Jewel Lloyd, although I I remain uh, optimistic that Kelsey Mitchell has a chance to reach that level as well at some point. But uh, listen, Seattle, you're right. She's, she's found another level, and Brianna Stewart still seems, you know, pretty pretty good as well. Um, and it's funny. I always tell the story about her that, like, I was interviewing her, and I asked her, is there anything you can't do on the court? Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, sure. Of course there are things I can't do, which is the answer someone gives when there's nothing they can't do. Yeah. I mean, she's managed to cut her turnovers by two-thirds this year. Like, you just look at her at her broad base of skills, and you think, all right, well, <clears throat> this is great. This has got to be as good as it gets. And then she finds another area in which to do yeah. it. So, you know, yeah, I, I I, should have spent my childhood dribbling around the block in North Syracuse. That would have been, in retrospect, a better way to spend my time. But it sure seemed to have worked for Brianna Stewart. So let's talk about a couple of teams that were in action against one another last night. And I, I want to start with the team that came on the short end uh, because I still find them really compelling, which is, the New York Liberty, who have obviously made tremendous strides so far this year. You're seeing, you know, a potential MVP candidacy in Benajah Laney. What are you seeing so far out of the Liberty, and what's been, you know, most interesting to you about their evolution? I think that um, there were two players, I think, who really surprised people on the Liberty, and that was Benajah Laney, and I think Michaela Anuete, which, mm-hmm. um, who is, like, maybe one of the only rookies who's really in contention for Rookie of the Year. Um, and she's playing really well. She's getting a lot of minutes. And I had the chance to speak with her, and she just seems really confident in what she can do and that the Liberty drafted her and brought her in and um, kept her on the roster for a reason. And so I really like um, that about Michaela. And then Penaja Laney is a bucket. I mean, it's our shirt. It actually originated from my question, but uh, or question I asked Michaela. But yeah, she is just she can do everything. She can score in every way imaginable, um, and like she does stuff that I go out and try, and so I, I can't figure out how to do it. But like she is so fun to watch as well. So I think um, those two have been playing really well, and I think they've also just um, come together as a team really well in the absence of some of their starters, mm-hmm. Natasha Howard and Sabrina, for a second there. You know, in both cases, I think once you have either uh, Corey Close coaching you or Coach Stringer, you know, possibly that could be the added missing ingredient. So I wouldn't get 
too down on yourself for not quite getting there yet. But um, to be sure, you know, Michaela, <clears throat> the fact that she has altered her game. I mean, she is shooting threes at an elevated yeah. clip. And, she and that's like there. the one thing that everybody's like, oh, like she's pretty good, but she can't shoot threes. <clears throat> and then I think maybe her first points, like, yeah, I think the first points of the season was her on a three. That's right. I'm almost, I'm almost certain of that. <laughs> and like, that was just really like, okay, maybe, maybe she can shoot threes. And now we know for sure, for right. sure that may be one of her like best skills. I, I, I was in the building for it, for that game and looked over at Jackie Powell and we were just like, oh, Okay. She's got this now, too, because I remember I covered her, I think it was sophomore year. She was in the NCAA tournament coming back east. And just, you know, Michaela's obvious. It wasn't just a, a question of athleticism that allowed her to compete with several inch taller players, the way you saw from Gabby Williams, somebody, you know, similarly, you know, 5'11", I think Michaela was six feet, but they were able to play with the 6'4", 6'5", but also just to know where to be on the court is what allows you to be able to make that up. Um, but she's able to know where to be, and it's in a fundamentally different place than what she was, which was kind of your classic three-level score with UCLA. But, you know, Benajah, too, was just another, and I just, it, it never ceases to amaze me. These players play for Coach Stringer. If you're playing for Vivian Stringer, you're learning not just how to play, but how to be a person and how to be a pro. And they get to the pros, and people underestimate them, and then they turn around and find another level and find another level. And it, it's just, you know, I know how this story ends. So, you know, to see it again in person is just remarkable, but it's just, it's just the latest. It's just like Erica Wheeler. It's just, you know, there, there are players like Kia Vaughn where people had questions about how long she'd last in the lead. And she's been, you know, essentially a 10 year vet. I mean, there's no, there's no reason why Benazza shouldn't have been most improved player last year, and I mean, she might just have, may, may just get that again because she's improved a lot, and now she's like even better, which I didn't know could happen. But she's playing incredibly well. Liberty of figure have I don't think figured they would need her to be the number one scorer early on this year on a team with Natasha Howard and Sabrina Inescu, but she's had to be. And she's been, and it's been really impressive to see. The other team, team that came out on top last night, obviously, in that matchup, was the Las Vegas Aces. And I'm wondering, you know, this is a team that plays almost, it's like I have my DVR on fast forward when I go back and watch game film with them. Their uh, pace rating is over 100, uh, which would be the first time in WNBA history that's happened for any team. How do they do that with their two bigs, Liz Cambage, and Asia Wilson, and, and, and what do you attribute their elevated success so far this year to? Um, I honestly don't know. It's like <coughs> watching them play, like, over and over again. Like, like you said, they're so fast. Um, <coughs> but, I mean, I just want to give a shout-out to Kelsey Plum, who's been playing especially well these past two games, and... She, I think she's reminding me of um, the way she played in college. And this is like a fun story, but I love watching Kelsey Plum in college. And for some reason, we have the Pac-12 network. And like, and I, I loved watching her play so much to the point where I think it was my sixth birthday party. Her face was on the top of my birthday cake. And I'm serious. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, shout out to her. She's playing really well. And I'm really happy um, for her and that she's had the success, but 
I mean, Jackie Young has been playing well this season, and Asia, I mean, there's, like, there, there's nobody in that starting lineup, and even off the bench, who really can't score when the Aces need them to, which I think is really hard to stop. No, I'm, I mean, and clearly no one is has figured out how to do it yet. Uh, by the way, obviously you're taking over all media, so I don't want to tell you how to do it, but you should share, I think, publicly the Kelsey Plum cake. I think people are going to want to see that. I have a picture of that. And, like, I didn't have a Kelsey Plum jersey, yeah. but I had uh, this plain white T-shirt, and my parents were like, you know what? Like, let's just write her number on it. <laughs> so I had a makeshift Kelsey Plum jersey. <laughs> I am glad we have gotten to the point with WNBA merchandise where it is possible to get the actual and not have to make it up as you go. But that's another yeah. story for another time. Pepper, where can people see you? Tell the world all the places. You know, I'm fortunate enough to be Facebook friends with your dad, so I get them all in real time. But I want to. I want everybody to be able to know how they see you, what they're following, and what they should be looking out for. All right, so firstly, the next, my weekly podcast comes out there. Um, so subscribe and watch those, and honestly, everything else that comes from the next, any WNBA news, it always comes from there. And like, I'll get my um, media advisory or media report, and then five seconds later, the next like article comes out, and I don't understand how they do it so fast, but yeah. So first, the next, and then in terms of me on social media, Instagram, I am now actually at Pepper Pursley. Um, and then on Twitter, I'm at Team Pursley. On Facebook, I'm at Dish with Pepper. Yes, all three of those are different. Um, and on YouTube, I'm also at Dish with Pepper. And I believe that's it for social media. Well, all I can tell you is, and I've said this to you many times, you are the real deal. It is such a pleasure to work with you every single chance I get. And I, I'm just excited to watch you being launched into the stratosphere. So onward and upward, Pepper, personally. Thank you for taking the time. Oh, no problem. Thank you so much for having me, Howard.